Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Truth or Demons podcast. I'm your host, Stevie, and I'm back with another interview. You guys, I can't even begin to thank everyone who's taken time out of their days to sit and chat with me and share their experiences related to the paranormal and the Warrens and just the legacy of this whole endeavor. Ghost hunting, paranormal research, paranormal investigating, experiences, all of it fascinates me so much, and I love that I get the chance to speak with so many different people with different perspectives and experiences and opinions. I love that people can come on my show and share their opinions and discuss them with me, and I also love that we can address in these discussions the things we don't find super great about the world of paranormal investigators and enthusiasts. So today, I have a very special guest who has some great stories and interactions to share with me. I learned a lot, and I got some confirmations on some things. And we openly discussed certain people, their actions, and our opinions of those actions. It was a great conversation and the perfect addition to the mission that is Truth or Demons. I won't keep you in suspense any longer. Please enjoy my conversation with paranormal investigator Chris Berico from Ghost Hunters of Connecticut. So if you would please tell the listeners uh, who you are and a little bit about yourself. My name is Chris Berico. Um, I've been investigating the paranormal since 1988. I have a group, a small group of people called Ghost Hunters of Connecticut. Um, we're based out of Connecticut, but we do travel up and down the East Coast. Very cool. What is your group called? Ghost Hunters of Connecticut. That's awesome. Alrighty, and so... What is your main focus as a ghost hunter? My main focus is actually probably different from most. I go in trying to debunk the claims that people come up with, but at the same time, try to gather proof of the paranormal. So if I can't debunk something, then I could say, okay, it's probably something paranormal. And then the next step after that is to find out what is it and, you know, what's causing it. Right. So you're looking for things like the carbon monoxide leaks and, like, mental health and stuff like that? Exactly. Awesome. I love that. I am a big fan of the skeptical take on stuff first before you get all crazy and say, oh, it's a ghost. (laughs) Yeah, and that's, unfortunately... You know, like when we were messaging, that's the sad part about the field now from when I started. Everything is a ghost. You know, nobody tries to debunk everything. You see these pictures they post and you got to laugh. Yes. Because it's like Matrixin or Parandolia or Mm -hmm. something. And... The one thing I can't stand is, oh, here's a piece of dust. No, that's an orb. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I see so much that of that, drives, and it gets so annoying. Yeah, it drives me crazy. <laughs> and everybody wants to argue, no, no, it's an orb. I know it's an orb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of that. I'm in quite a few ghost groups, and several of them are nothing but pictures like that, uh, little short videos like that, people just desperate for it to be something paranormal. Exactly. So how do you feel about the turn the ghost hunting world has taken with the rise of shows like Ghost Adventures and the kind of thing, the kind of uh, content that does that, oh, it's a ghost right away? I'm not a fan 
of any of these shows, you know, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Nation, Ghost Adventures, um, to me, they're hurting the field more than helping or they're not educating nobody. Uh, for a simple fact, that every episode, they always come out with some sort of evidence. Yes. The reality is, as I'm sure you know, you could go on 10, 12 investigations and come back with absolutely nothing. Yep. And it's happened to me. I mean, I've gone to the same location four times, nothing, not even so much as a mosquito buzzing by. <laughs> yeah. You know, these shows, you know, like Ghost Hunters is bad and, oh, you can't even make out what it says. It's all—it's always gargly. Nothing's crystal clear. And then they put it on the screen to put it into your head. So now you know what you see the word. Your mind's going to automatically focus on that word. So you're like, oh, yeah, I do hear it now. Exactly, yeah. Anytime someone says they have an EVP they want me to listen to, I tell them, don't, like, tell me what you think it says. Let me listen first, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, exactly how I do it. And, like, when I do lectures, I always tell the people I don't put up what it says or anything on the screen or when I hook it up to the amp. I always tell them I'm going to play it three times. And then you can all guess what you think. And I'll play it, and if they guess it, what I think it says, because I could be wrong, is, okay, they're like, something says, hi, how are you? And nobody hears it. I'll say, well, this is what we think it says. You know, hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. But just because I think what it says doesn't mean that's what it says. Yeah, and I appreciate that because a lot of the mainstream media ghost hunters they don't question or they don't even like give room for question, especially in what they're saying. It's automatic. It's this is it for fact. No question. Exactly. That's super annoying. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all about, I seen, uh, you know, when Ghost Hunters came to Connecticut, I was there twice. You know, I wasn't on TV or nothing, but I was in the background because I knew both the locations. And, you know, Ghost Hunters, the way they were doing things was unreal. You know, they were rude to the people that wanted to go up and talk to them. Uh, Amy Bruni was with them at the time. Um, and people tried going up and she goes, I can't, I'm too busy right now. Wow. Um, then a television crew came up and of course she was like, Oh yeah, I got a moment. Yeah. But she was, yeah. And I'll never forget that. And that was true. And, you know, one thing I can tell you they do on Ghost Hunters is they always have Rhode Island plates on all their vehicles because mm -hmm. that's where they're based out of. Okay. But what they do, they take they keep those plates with them, and when they go to different states, they rent the same vehicle that they need, and they only drive it. They, they have the cameraman get it in with them. They throw the Rhode Island plate on that vehicle. And they'll film them for maybe five minutes traveling up the highway or down the road. And they'll focus on the plate so you see Rhode Island. They're not driving cross country. They're flying. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can tell you, I've seen it. When they did the one in Derby, the opera house, 
exactly what they did. They came up, they took took the plate, put it on, had them get on Route 8, drive down Exit 13, turn around and come back, and they, you know, you saw the show, they were talking about it. Well, it's been a long ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, don't believe. Yeah, so I'm telling you firsthand, I know for a fact, they do not drive to all these locations. Yeah, and if they're willing to fake that, what else are they willing to fake? Oh, yeah. You know, there's videos. I don't know if you've seen them or not. I haven't seen them in a while, but Ghost Hunters, when they were starting out when Grant and Jason were together, um, Grant, I forget the episode, but he, he got his collar pulled and you see his collar go up. But right after that, Jason walks over and you can see him putting the wire back down and folding his collar back down. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that. If you look on YouTube or online, that's where I found it. But yeah, you can see him clearly sliding it back into his collar, and then he bends his collar down. That's so disheartening because there's so many people out there that take this at face value and 100% believe it as it's presented to them. Yeah, and it's you can't, you know. Yeah. Go, like I said, ghost hunters, I know. A lot of the stuff, not true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, not true. Yeah, and I recently learned uh, through another interview with um, Elliot Van Dusen that when he tried to pitch a show to a network, they came back with, well, to do a paranormal show for, you know, for us, you have to have a jump scare every three minutes, and that means you have to fake it because you cannot control paranormal phenomena every three minutes yep that's that's true i got offered going back a while to go on to do a show and i got the contract i know i saved it somewhere i never signed it but it says right in the contract they have the right to edit it to make it more entertaining for the viewers yeah. And you have to agree with that, but then there's a non-disclosure agreement. You're not allowed to say what they tell you how to act or how you're really acting. You're not allowed to do that. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of behind-the-scenes that, unfortunately, you know, the public doesn't see. Mm-hmm. You know, these shows ain't going to tell you, nope. oh, yeah, we're faking this. Yeah. And they're out of job. They're yep. out of, that's what for a living. Yep, and the more uh, people know that they're faking, the more it discredits and the less viewers. Oh, yeah. It's, like I said, the only shows I like, I like is like Terror in the Woods, These Woods are Haunted, or Haunted Hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know they're reenacting them, and there's nobody out there, you know, you know when they're jumping or running, that's it's an actor, so you're well aware of that. Mm-hmm. And the person telling the story, you know, you can't say they're lying because you weren't there. So it's more of a judgment call. Are they believable or not? Right. Yeah, That's I like those I like. too. Yeah, the skeptic side of me can be like, okay, then maybe they're telling the truth, maybe they're lying. Right. But 100%, you can't prove either way, but that's why I like those shows. Right, and that, and that I like when they leave it open to interpretation because... Like we've said on, me and my guests have said before several times on the show, like nobody has 
definitive answers to any of this. So it's all open for speculation. So to say on a show, this is what happened for sure, is really silly. It, and it's funny, just recently uh, I seen on Facebook, there's some paranormal magazine, I forgot what it was called, but they had a picture of Jason Hawes with King of the Paranormal. And I'm like, are you freaking serious? <laughs> now we're naming people, you know, kings. And there <laughs> used to be a woman that called herself the queen. Oh, yeah? Par- yeah, CC. I forgot her last name. I haven't heard from her or seen anything about her in a long time. But, yeah, you know, these people and their egos are through the roof. If you ever been, which I haven't, to any of their events... To me, they're a ripoff. Yeah, I hear that a lot, actually. I've not been to any. I was recently uh, somewhat invited by one of um, Tony Spira's team members. Um, I think I was invited to kind of hush me up, like maybe to help promote them versus what I am doing. And uh, when I was talking to other people about it, they were like, yeah, those those conventions are just money-hungry. They... They parade around like Annabelle and bring her up there. And she's supposed to be so haunted that, you know, she can harm people. So why are we traveling with her? I'm really confused by that. So it just seems like one big money-guzzling scheme. Yeah, well, I'll get to Tony in like two minutes. <laughs> but I know him personally, so. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, my, I know him personally. I know one of his members personally. So everything I'm going to talk about, you know, I sent you clips that I can back up people saying, you got no proof. Well, yes, I do. Absolutely, yeah. That's awesome. So, but these paranormal conventions, like the New Jersey Paranormal, New Jersey Unity Paranormal, whatever it was, they have a shitload of people from TV. So now, what I call them groupies. <laughs> oh, you're. I'm going to pay to get in to see you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pay to get a selfie with you. I'm going to pay to have you sign something. I'm going to pay for my lodging for those two days. I'm going to pay for my gas for traveling. All because you're on TV. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. They're actors. Yes, exactly. Why, why do people go so gaga? Oh, you're on TV. Yeah, it's a it's a really big thing for some people. I just, I that's why I refuse to go to any of these conventions. It's you're building their egos. Mm-hmm. Yes, and for sure. They're walking, laughing. Yeah. And I can tell you from. One of my friends was looking to do an ex-paranormal convention up here, and they want, you know, a couple of the paranormal people, I won't say their names, but they wanted $2,000 to show up a day. Wow. Plus, you got to travel for all their food and lodging. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's what they told him. He talked to a few different ones, and, you know, he has a screenshot of what one of them said, how much to come up. Plus, they want their own booth 
and to sell where they keep everything you pay for is all profit yeah to them yeah that's why i refuse no i'm sorry you're on tv you're what i call it you know i just say you know you turned your back for the buck Mm-hmm. absolutely the whole sellout thing yeah and look look how many of these shows get canceled yeah I mean, just uh, everybody wants to be on TV so bad. Yeah, there's always a new one popping up, and it never lasts very long. Exactly. I mean, I'm pretty sure you know as well. You know, when Ghost Hunters came back with Grant, that was only a few episodes, and it got canceled. Yeah. And there seems to be a lot of drama within each little TV group, too. Oh, yeah, there's... There's always drama. Yeah. <laughs> I have but, come to see that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, that's as far as the things. I don't understand why people bust their ass for work and, and then pay these people because they're on TV and worship them. Yeah. I'll never understand it, never have, never will. Agreed. Yeah, I did, but, um, uh, in October, I did a little expo in Nashville it was called the Tennessee Haunts and Legends Expo, and it was amazing. It was majorly affordable ticket prices to come in. It was only $10 to get in, and there were three buildings you could go explore uh, vendors in. And then, like, the vendor fees were so affordable. It was, and the people were so kind, and everyone was, like, on the same page. Everyone wanted to share information and share their stories. It was a great expo, and I think that's how they should be. Yeah, not it, not... You know, the pair unity, I think you'll agree, it's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you got too many people out in the field, and as you're sure you're aware with doing what you do, there's a new group popping up every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you see on Facebook, and which I find tacky, is, hi, we're, we're looking, we're either hiring or looking for investigators. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. I always ask my friends, and you know, if there's somebody that at a one of our lectures, hey, can you do allow people? Well, yeah, here you're. Well, if you're interested, yeah, you can come with us. Yeah, that's how but I've yeah, always experienced it. Yeah, and that's you know we do, and everything we do, we never unlike Tony Spear. We never charge for any lectures, any events. Um, if we do a public investigation, it's a fundraiser. You know, we never charge the whole time we've been doing this. I've never taken a dime. That's awesome. And that's like, and I, that's what the tradition began as, or at least it was said it that was that way. Yeah. And now to get on the Tony, as you brought up earlier. <laughs> I know him and I the Warrens personally because my grandparents and Ed and Lorraine were friends. Okay. I grew up, yeah, I grew up in Trumbull, Connecticut. They lived about five miles down the road in Monroe. Okay. Um, Sundays, we'd go to St. Stephen's Church in Monroe. And, you know, they would sit on one side, we would sit on the other, sometimes together, depending on what the seating was. Um, then after, we'd go to New Colony Diner in Monroe and get breakfast. Nice. 
you would listen to them talk. You know, they, I was young at the time, so I really didn't, didn't, you know, think much into it at that time. Yeah. But, you know, you would sit there and people would look at them funny and be like, oh, those are the demon people. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, personally, they're great people. Very nice, very personable. They'd always give you the time of day. They never, you know, let it go to their head. Unlike the paranormal people of today on TV, mm-hmm. they never let it go to their head. I hear I'm hearing that from some of my guests that they were just so kind and welcoming to other people and anyone really. Yeah, they never let it go to their head. Now you jump fast forward to Tony, who's riding their coattails. Mm-hmm. He's ego is unreal for somebody that has proven nothing yeah he kind of just like latched on to it he didn't do the work yeah and the reason i say we used to be friends is he was holding an event i think it was called this is going back again several years ago a night with the warrens or a night with lorraine warren it was held in Monroe. I think it was at, uh, I don't know if it was Roberto's or another hall, but it was at like a banquet hall. Okay. He was having a hard time selling tickets. So he asked me, hey, could you help me sell some tickets and I'll let you guys in for free? And I said, yeah, Tony, not a problem. I don't mind helping you. So I went out there and I spread the word, put it on my Facebook page and my web page. And, you know, I basically I got a lot of people to come. And I told them how great it's going to be. I said, you'll love Lorraine. She's so nice. And all these people. Well, Tony and his, well, at the time, only one of his cronies was there. And it was a complete shit show. Oh, no. Yeah. You walked in. They had no assigned seating. It was a free-for-all. Every And I guess from what I'm reading on the reviews, I think I sent you one like that. It's still the same. There's nothing assigned. No seating was assigned. Yeah. Um, when you got there, you had to find your own seat. Then you had to find a waitress to bring you your food or you would have to go up and get it. So they didn't, it was just a complete, it was all over the place. It sounds very chaotic and not at all organized. And then people, of course, were there to see Lorraine and have her autograph. Yeah. You know, their, her books and stuff that they sold. That was even organized. Fall of Rain was, people were coming from all directions. Yeah. And Tony was just standing there, you know, probably counting the dollars. Yeah. And, you know, no line, like most book signings, there's a line of people. No, they didn't do that. It was just completely, hey, let's just flock the table. Yeah. Kind of bum rusher. That's overwhelming. Oh yeah, they bum rushed her, and 
so after the event, a few of my friends that went said, Chris, you know, what happened? We didn't even get Lorraine's autograph or get to meet her. And they said, what if there was no organization there? It was a complete shit show. And I said, I thought it was all set. And I felt embarrassed because I'm the one that told them yeah. how great it's Yeah, you so promoted I, it and put yourself out there for it. So I called Tony and I asked him what happened. Oh, just a couple hiccups. And mm-hmm. I said, Tony, it was a shit show. I go, nobody knew what was going on. And he started getting his ego kicked in and he started getting upset. And I told him, I said, I brought people because you wanted. I said, but it's nothing. It was nothing like he said. Yeah. So that broke up, you know, I haven't talked to him since then. That's understandable, yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to put myself in that environment. No, definitely not. So they do, they recently did. Um, at Mohegan Sun Casino up here in Connecticut, an event, I forget what they call it, Warren's Paracon or Yeah. Yeah. I forgot what they call it. But this is how it's about money. They charge $40 to get in. And people that went thought the $40, you know, you get to see some artifacts and you know, take pictures and look around. No, that was just to get in. Then wow. they hit you with another $40 if you wanted to go see Annabelle. That's crazy. She's like the main that, focus of the whole thing. And that's what they, that's how they were screwing people. That's awful. That's like false advertising. Yeah. And they don't tell you that. They didn't tell you that in the ad. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, on my Facebook page, I'll post something. I don't get a lot of likes or I'll get a few comments, but my messages blow up. You know, people don't want to get called out for anything. I'm like, I don't care. Message me. It'll be between us. Yeah. I get a lot of that as well. Some people just don't want to be public about it, but they want to share the information with me. Yeah. So that's what, you know, they, uh, what they did now. So they charged, it was 80 bucks. Yeah. I mean, and, if they would just be up front at the door, like $80 and you get to see Annabelle and see the con and everything, that would be more respectable than, like, even at $80 than saying 40 up front and then, oh, yeah, another 40 to do anything else. Yeah, and that's, again, it's about the money. Mm-hmm. And one of his members, um, and this I know for a fact because one of my former friends was with his team when it happened. Um, you know, he's with Tony now. He acts all God and holy and loving, but it's a farce because he went up to Rhode Island to do the Ocean State Paracon, and he rented a booth, I guess. Well, he the guy asked him, oh, you owe us whatever amount. I don't remember. And he says, oh, I'll pay you at the end. And one says, I make the money. And the guy trusted him. Mm-hmm. Well, he snuck out before the event ended without paying him. Wow. And he bragged about it to his <gasps> team. 
Oh no, that's terrible. Why do people do that when they commit these these crimes and then they have to brag about it? And then a few years later, him and another guy were doing a fundraiser in the city of Derby. I don't know if it was for the opera house or something else, but they were holding a fundraiser. And the money never made it to the city. Wow. And long story short, the guy that was running the opera house was friends with the guy I'm talking about, who's a scumbag. And they used to allow investigations at the opera house. But after this happened with the fundraiser, they shut it off. I mean, I don't blame them. That's, it makes it hard to trust anyone again. Yeah, they didn't say because, you know, they got screwed. They mm-hmm. weren't, they were going to come out and admit that, they, hey, we got laid. Yeah. They said because the safety of the building. Ah, good cover. <laughs> yeah, well, I called and asked, hey, what can I do to come there? I was there once. Well, they do allow you, last I knew, but you have to pay $100 an hour for the fire truck to stand outside in case anything happens. Okay. So that was the last I knew. That was a few years ago. I don't know if it's changed or not. But, you know, that's one of them. You know, that's the type of person this guy is. Real, just a dirtbag. Yeah. And then another one of his cronies dresses up like a priest. I heard about this. There's a quite a conversation on Facebook about this. Yeah, uh, and he calls himself a demonologist too. James the Nido, I think, is called the Nado. Okay. Um, dresses up like a priest and goes to these conventions, and I don't know if he does it at people's homes or what, but I can tell you, he's not a priest. He's more like it's Halloween for him year-round. Yeah. You know, a demonologist, like I told you before, anybody can be a demonologist. Mm -hmm. Basically, it just means I'm studying about demons. Yes. And that's, honestly, that's the extent of it. You don't, you know, like they say, oh, I could perform an exorcism. Right, and that's not true. No, that's not true. I mean... You have to, to get an exorcism, you know, you have to go, if you're Roman Catholic, which is the most popular method, is you have to go through the Vatican, and you have to prove that it's not a mental health condition. Right. It's, it takes months. It's not like, oh, I think you're possessed, like you see on TV, oh, I'm going to come walk in put my uh, rosary around you and throw holy water on you and say a couple prayers and here you're healed. Correct. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that scene, it's portrayed that way way too much on TV, which is the problem. Exactly. And, you know, this guy dressing up like a priest, you know, it takes six years to become a priest in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. You got to have a bachelor's degree. Then you got to do three or four years at the seminary. Mm-hmm. And then and they then, have the the further one. I forgot what it was after seminary school. 
yeah, it, it's a process. So people that dress up acting like they're a priest, you know, you're going to find some elderly person one day that might see you in a store or in public and say, oh, Father, my husband's very ill. Can you say a prayer, please? Or can you come over and bless him? And they'll do it because it, it makes them feel important. Yeah, that's really sad. That's that yeah, power that, trip thing. Yeah, and it's, like I said, that's the whole thing. That's what Tony's crew's all running about now. Yeah, I've you been know, noticing that. Holy, you know, one place holier than now, one dresses up like a priest. Another one just thinks he knows it all now. He started with me. Yeah. I, he his first investigation with me years ago. And now you see him on these interviews on TV. You know, oh, yeah, well, this and this and that. Not true. Yeah. I just laugh. Yeah. Their, their museum. You know, everybody wants to go to the museum. We'll get on that subject. Well, the museum is about as big as a one-car garage. It's in the basement of their house. Yeah, I learned that through my podcast research, and I was pretty surprised because it doesn't seem that way. It's tiny. It is very tiny, very cramped. There's not a lot of room to walk around down there. Yeah. So, and one thing I can tell you, which I didn't even post on Facebook about or nothing, is... A lot of those objects, they paid for. Really? And again, I know that for a fact because a guy that used to be with me on the team before he moved, he had a tag sale and Ed and Lorraine stopped in. They were on a motorcycle and they saw this old stereo system. You know, like with the wooden cardboard around it, and you'd lift the top up for the record player. Yeah. Well, they bought that from them, I think, for like $20 or something. I forget. But anyway, they said, oh, okay. And they came back, and they picked it up with the car, and they bought a couple other items from them. Well, I guess a couple months later, his school went on a class trip, and they brought him to the Warrens Museum. To his surprise... Not only was the radio there, but so were some of the other items they bought. <laughs> and were being listed as haunted. Oh my goodness, so they were from a regular place with no haunted, supposed haunted background, and then they became haunted items in the museum? Exactly. Wow. They, a lot of that stuff, of course, they'll never admit it. But if I can find a picture of when, it, when my friend took it in his house, because he had a picture... And the same one they had there, it's the exact same one. That's crazy. I mean, I, I, and, I'm not shocked, but I am. <laughs> yeah, no, they bought it from him. And they have all these taller things in the museum. Oh, we found them in the woods. Interesting. All right, let's think about this. There's something about a demon, a tall guy made out of looks like plaster of Paris or <laughs> stuff. Now, if that was out in the woods, in the weather, wouldn't it have some wear on it? Yeah. You would think it would have, I mean, it looked like they put dirt on it to make it look old. <laughs> but it was 
you know, to me, I look, I'm like, there's no way they found this in the woods. Yeah. Yes. Then they get a mirror, you know, oh, here's a haunted mirror. Don't look into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Annabelle, I don't believe that story for a second. Me either. <laughs> I, if you follow it, the story changes very often from, you know, it was a girl in, in college mm -hmm. that had it and it got possessed, so she got rid of it. Then it was two girls that were in nurses' school that had it. It got possessed. Yeah, I heard a story. One of my one of the people I talked to online said that they were at a lecture in the '90s and in college, and the, when they were telling the story of Annabelle, they said um, a Ouija board was the cause of its possession. Yeah, they they can't keep the story straight. Yeah, and um, you you mentioned that some of this stuff seems some of their items seemed faked. And recently, uh, a page I follow on Facebook shared something I've never seen before. I tried reverse image searching it to see if anyone else has ever shared it. It's not anywhere online that I can find, but it appears to be a newspaper article with the story of Annabelle and these nurses. And there's new names that I've never seen before. Um, there's an author for the article. I looked her up. And if it's the woman I found that I think it is, she's a mystery, uh, thriller, and true crime writer and a ghostwriter for hire. So the fact that I can't find this newspaper anywhere, it's not on any newspaper archive searches. It's supposed to be from 71, so it wouldn't be too obscure to be uploaded in, you know, in online archives. But I can't find it anywhere, and it really bugs me. Yeah, I thought I, I, I had an article. Oh, God, probably tucked away i know i didn't throw it away but about them and yeah i'm not sure but you know like you alluded to earlier far as the doll if this doll is evil possessed haunted whatever isn't it amazing that after lorraine passes away hey let's bring the doll to las vegas to be on ghost adventures mm -hmm. let's Let's take it out of this case. Let's let Zach touch it because the price was right. Yep. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. I heard that Tony demanded uh, first-class tickets for that plane ride. And um, I, I've heard that since Zach did touch it, like, apparently Tony was peeved about that. Like, he was beyond livid. And Zach, you know, did his little show of, you know, being possessed and whatever. But then after the show was finished filming... He actually came forward, and even though he stuck to his story of being possessed and whatnot, he bashed Tony so terribly bad for his behavior, the way he handled things, the greediness, the, like, everything. He did not have anything good to say about Tony. Not many people do. I'm learning that, and I'm experiencing that myself, like, you know, with Facebook and the drama we've had recently where Nesper decided to start reporting my Facebook posts for the podcast. Well, that's because they want to hide behind the lie, as I call it. Mm -hmm. It definitely is, like, proving to be true, that fact. Like, I, I had my own speculations, of course, when I started the podcast about what was fake and what wasn't. And the more I do this and the more people I talk to, the more I'm sure that this is just for money. It's it's not real. Well, especially Annabelle, it's not real. 
I do believe some people experience some things, but I think if it goes through Tony's hands at this point, it's it's probably not true. No. And I'll refer to Tony, in my opinion, as the P.T. Barnum of the paranormal. I like that, yes. <laughs> he likes to put on a show. He likes to take your money. Mm-hmm. And that's all this is a show. Because he has, again, what has he proven that Exa- he can back up? Exactly. Can he prove Annabelle's haunted? Well, a lot of people are catching on by the way. Because think you got to take it out of the case to travel with it. Mm-hmm. And that's he does that a lot. Yes. And, you know, and then his cronies, as I'll call them, I won't even say their names because they don't deserve it. But, mm-hmm. you know, they uh, they feel important. Oh, we're part of the Warrens. No, you're not. Yep, yep. And I spoke directly with one of them. He called me and we had a discussion and... It was very clear, a lot of things, like the pushing Tony's agenda, uh, flat-out lying to me about things in regards to Annabelle. I'm doing an Annabelle Part 2, and I'm going to cover all that and talk about it. But, yeah, it's it's all a show, and it was really kind of funny just to have that conversation with him. Yeah. And this, like I said, this person, you know, he wasn't even in the picture until... His wife left him, he lost his job, and lost his house. And then he went to go stay with Lorraine. Oh, wow. To, alleg- to allegedly take help take care of her. Ah, uh, yeah. She used to have a priest. Well, he said he was a priest. I don't know if he is or not. Um, that was staying with helping her for a long time. Um, I read online he got into some legal trouble. Because he was, I guess, engaging with minors, oh. you know, six-year-old boys, I heard. Oh, no, no. Yeah, so that, so I guess he got out of the picture. Uh, she was alone for a while, and this other individual had nowhere to go, so he wormed his way. I don't know if he's still living there or what's going on, but I know he wiggled his way in there. And, you know, Tony's like, hey, if you can help me sell tickets, you know, why not? Let Let's make the show go on. Yeah. You know, like I always say to everybody, and I say that to Tony, and I'll say it a hundred times, prove to me beyond a reasonable doubt that that doubt is possessed. Yes, exactly. If you're going to claim it, but yet you're going to take it all over the place traveling, Mm -hmm. prove it to me. Yep. And, and if it is that dangerous, you're putting people at risk. How do you not have a conscience about that if you believe so strongly that this thing is dangerous? You don't care that these people are at risk of her and her her abilities? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's not. It's, you know, it's all charade. Mm-hmm, I agree completely. Um, when I started the podcast, I, I was on the fence about basically all the stories because of course I don't have enough information for myself to make a solid decision but with Annabelle I believe I've got enough information now to say for sure I do not believe in her to be any kind of haunted no she's not and I really believe that um I really believe that the reason my podcast has gotten so much attention from Nesper recently is because of me 
going in that direction where I'm trying to debunk Annabelle. And uh, one of the biggest things is the motorcycle accident. And uh, I was told that if I wanted those the record of that accident, I had to go physically to a Bridgeport library to get it. But I don't believe that's true. Um, all motorcycle accidents from the 50s to now are documented online. And there's not a single one with a man dying and a woman surviving as the passenger. Now, that's a, that's a bunch of BS. Like you said, there would absolutely, especially in the death record, yes, there would be some sort of proof. Yes. Again, it's up to them to prove it because they're the one making the claim. Mm-hmm. you got to prove it. You're allegedly like in court. You're the plaintiff. You're saying this is true. The motorcycle accident, somebody died. Show me a police report. Yes, Show exactly. me a report. Show me a death certificate. Yes. Show me the cause of death was because a possessed doll yeah. made it happen. Yeah. And uh, the, the, uh, the person who told me that story was uh, Dan Rivera. And I actually recently heard him on another podcast telling the story about how he knows that's true because he saw the motorcycle when he was eight years old. And it just blew my mind that he would say that. I It was such a blatant lie. Well, now you say, yeah, that's the one who I was talking about was Dan Rivera that ripped the people off for both the fundraisers. Yeah, okay. I, I I've spoken with him and... Right off the bat, I was very put off by him. I he he sounded just straight like a con artist from the second he opened his mouth on the phone. I just I couldn't believe anything he said. It sounded so phony. He is. That's why I said. Now you said his name. That's who I was referring to with you know the fundraisers and everything, and you know being with Lorraine, living in her house, and yeah, he, yeah, he. Yeah, don't believe anything he tells you. Yeah, I've friend, learned that. <laughs> and my friend was a member of his group when all this happened. And he kicked my friend out of the group when he wouldn't stop. When he says, no, I'm not going to fake evidence. Wow. He goes, well, how is we going to get our name out there? Yeah. All right, yeah, then. Dan, forget. <laughs> yeah, I spoke with Dan on the phone years ago yeah. about when they did mention how awful it was oh wow and his reply to me is well it's a learning process we'll get it oh <laughs> i i do lectures i won't do conventions and i've done paranormal dinners but everything always goes smooth because it's planned out yeah i plan out okay people are gonna, this is what we're gonna have you know and you got to pre-order your food. What do you want so we know how much food to get? You know, everything's, you come in, we put your name on the little table. Here you go. Sit there, sit there. Everybody's together. So you're not coming in like, oh, honey, I'm going to sit here. But you guys sit over there because there's somebody next to me already. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't do that. I'm like, you know, Tony and crew do. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the whole reason I even spoke with Dan was because he contacted me after my inter- interview with Eric Vitali and was extremely butthurt by his and Frank's interviews. And I don't even know if he listened to them fully or 
just saw that I interviewed him, but he seemed to be angry over what they said. But in both interviews, neither one of them said anything bad. So I think they're just mad that we're talking about them and not in a favorable way. And we're not the only ones. That I could tell you. Yes, and I'm seeing that too. The more um, the more groups I get involved in on Facebook and the more people I meet to you know talk to an interview, the more consistent the stories are about Nesper. Yeah, it ain't what it used to be. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, the consensus is Lorraine and Ed would be rolling in their graves right now if they could see how it's being run. Oh, absolutely. And that's really I mean, sad. I, I you know you get, when Lorraine was they pushed her, Tony did to keep doing these events. She had no idea where she was. She was getting Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah, I heard that. And people that went to the event told me Lorraine was like looking out into space most of the time. Yeah. And Tony put a wig on her because she was starting to lose her hair. Yeah, I've seen those videos. It's very recognizable as a wig. That shows you what kind of person Tony is. Yeah, and she should no, she didn't want to. She didn't even know where she was. Exactly. She should have been retired. She should have been enjoying her last year's relaxing. But nope, they all want to try to feel important. But I think now that more people are catching on, you know, they're going, they're in panic mode now. Oh, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Yes, exactly. And what he's done that I've seen is this is really irritating to me. But um, every time I uh, do research, I'll get on YouTube and I'll look up to see if there's videos in, you know, that pertain to the subject matter I'm researching. And I'll watch all these videos and I'll get all these perspectives and I'll, you know, write my, my episode and, you know, form a very wide range of perspectives for people to have. And lately, I'm seeing these videos of these big YouTubers who are really young and they're new to ghost hunting, and they're really into being scared, and they're actually booking nights. Like, uh, one of them said they were going to stay days at the museum and film and be there with Annabelle, and it just seemed so ridiculous. They were scaring the crap out of themselves for over nothing. And that's, again, that's the problem with all these new groups. They're so naive, they just want to feel important. Yes. Bottom line. That's and, all. They want to feel important. Yes. And, and I that, saw one it, of the videos talking about where the guy's like, oh, when I was here, so much happened. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a reply. Of course, it got deleted. Oh, well, since you had a video camera running, can you post it so we can all share and see it? Exactly. They deleted my comment. Deleted my comment. Oh, of course. Yeah, I love the social media for that. You can just navigate through all the bad stuff and delete what you don't want yep and that's exactly what they did yeah I, I find myself commenting a lot trying to spread the correct information but um yeah it doesn't seem to reach the right people ever <laughs> yeah but yeah that's the whole you know that like i said that's not helping and the whole conjuring movie yeah i did a youtube video I, i'm good friends with the lady who lived there norma oh yeah okay and i did an interview with her over an hour and i put up the youtube video 
and it's well over a hundred thousand hits. It's actually people use it to debunk the conjuring because you know one thing that got me personally is Andrea. I don't know if it's Perone or Perrin, whatever. I think it's Perrin, but I think that's how she says it. But I hear people say it Perone all the time. But she's the one that sent people to disturb Norma and her husband. Really? She, for the simple fact, how did she do it? Nobody knew the address until Andrea let it out, okay. posted about. So now Norma and her husband, who was ill, had people trying to break in to their house. They broke into the barn. They were cutting down the fence they had to put up. They had to put a whole bunch of security camera. And Andrea didn't care because she lives in Georgia, I think. And she's making her money off the book. Mm -hmm. And me and Norma went and spent a few days at the Historical Society in the library. And I still have all those papers. Half of those claims in that book about Bathsheba are false and totally made up, and I can prove it. Okay, yeah, I've heard about the research about Bathsheba being a little fudged. Oh, it's a lot fudged. <laughs> you know, oh, she hung herself, she yeah. killed somebody. Mm -hmm. Nobody died Nobody died in that house. A drunk guy was found on the property dead, probably because he passed out and hit his head on a rock. But yeah, there's, no, there's nothing. And if you go by it now... I spent four days complete, 24 hours straight in the house. And I would tell you, honestly, I never got an uneasy feeling. Yeah. I got nothing photo, nothing on video, and nothing on audio. Usual creeps and stuff from a 300-year-old house. Mm -hmm. I got nothing. I yeah. mean, there's absolutely nothing. Yeah, and I... I struggle with that one because I interviewed Andrea and, you know, she seems really genuine. And I still had a couple of things that I was not on board with her about when she was, you know, telling her side and stuff. And then I didn't bring up Norma because I honestly forgot about the, like, she she had a big ordeal with Warner Brothers. I'm pretty sure she tried to sue them and stuff for everything. But because all the, the, you know, people that were coming to the house and stuff. And then um, a lot of people say she didn't... <laughs> Do what? Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Um, I was going to say that uh, I watched, I remember seeing a YouTube video of her and Andrea, and they seemed friends, and they were discussing the activity in the home, and uh, I'm, I don't remember Norma denying it, but then right after the movies came out and stuff, she she said, no, there's no activity, and she was sick of the people, you know, storming the house, and then a lot of the research came out about Bathsheba being, you know, incorrect and false and made up, and it's a whole lot of drama surrounding, you know, trying to perpetuate this story. And it was a shame, because Norma used to have the daycare there. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, and I bet none of them kids had any experiences. Nope, nobody got possessed, nobody, she had a daycare there for years. Wow, and she probably um, had no problems until the movie. Not until the movie came out, then all of a sudden, like I tell, and I tried, that's why we made the video, 
think about it. Andrea is making money off her books, which relate to the house. Mm-hmm. Again, she's talking about her experience. Can we prove or disprove what she went through? No, we can't. Right. But can we prove or disprove her claims about the deaths and, you know, Bathsheba? Yeah, we can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all in black and white. We yes. can't. Yes. And she's never acknowledged anybody that, oh, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have wrote that or I made a mistake or. Right. She's never done that. Mm-hmm. You know, so Norma sued, I think it was Universal. Yeah, something like that. I have the, 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 the documents. And they settled out of court. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norma got the money. It didn't help. Unfortunately, people, Norma was basically forced out of her house. Yeah. And now so, uh, paranormal people, um, investigators and such, have owned it. Well, no, Corey and Jen, they sold it to a real estate broker who lives in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So she owns, she's owned it for the past couple of years. Um, she doesn't even live on a property. She just rents it out. Right, right. I remember that now, yeah, because they, they do the, you can rent whole nights in it now. Yeah, and she was trying to do camp outs on the property and one of my friends at work lives in Burville and there was a petition going around to stop it because it's not zoned as a campground oh okay so you know I that again I know because he lives there in Burville yeah. and he drove by the house now Norma lived there it looked beautiful you drive by that house now it looks awful there's nothing but no trespassing signs. Oh, I mean, wow. literally probably hundred of them yeah. at the driveway all around the property. It, it, it's just gaudy. An eyesore. It is. It's terrible, and the neighbors ain't happy with it. Yeah. They didn't care with the investigations. They calmed down. But now they're like, this lady, all she's doing is whoring the house out. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, a great way a to describe it. You know, she's a millionaire, and Again, that the house has been so haunted, as people claim, over the years, since the movie came out, which was, what, 2014? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 13. How come nobody has posted any tangible evidence yet? Either an audio clip, I would like to see something in the video, or a photo from the house. Right, I Why agree. Why has nobody done that yet? Yeah, I've seen a lot of... Um the machines they use that spit out the words i've seen a lot of that i don't particularly care for those machines because i don't feel like that's really legitimate um i've seen the the daughter of the owner has a TikTok, and she goes in and does little mini investigations with like dowsing rods and such but it's all it's TikTok. i have a hard time taking anything i see on TikTok seriously and I just, like you said, it'd be really nice to have some real evidence, some stuff that was indisputable. And nobody's come out with any of it yet. Yep. And Nobody. Yeah, and it's frustrating because people are still perpetuating the supposed evidence and just taking it. Yeah, and, you know, and I, like I said, I 
when Corey and Jen were there, I said, I'll come, because they were like, why are you hanging us? Or, you know, why are you bad-mouthing us? I said, I'm just speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. I says, all right, if you want, I says, I'll come for a night, and I'll spend a full 24 hours in the house. Oh, yeah, but that's going to cost. And I'm like, no, I'm not paying. Exactly. If you really want me to be on your side, don't charge me to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're asking for money because that'll deter you from debunking them. I believe it's like $1,200 for an overnight there now. Yeah, it's okay. So I looked it up. It's 900 if you're a normal person, like just, you know, a, not an investigator, not a social media person. But if you are a social media person or have an investigation group, they want 1400 Oh, my God. Yeah, I wanted to do it, and I thought, well, I'll probably get the upcharge because of having a podcast, because I'm definitely going to share it on the podcast, so. Wow. She's like, she doesn't have enough money already, so let's, <laughs> it's, let's it's, it's very uh, frustrating to see the price tags on some of this stuff when – all we want is answers. We don't we don't need to spend a fortune just to find out if something is real or not. Sorry, my dogs are gone crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, and this and that's what always we only pay for one location a year. And it's only if it's an historical location where the money goes directly to them. Mm-hmm. I won't ever, like you see a lot of these groups out there now are holding like ghost hunt weekends and other people I call ripoff artists. You know, all right, well, come with, investigate with us here. We're going to charge you 200 Yeah. And if you only took the time to research, you could do it a lot cheaper on your own. You get 10 people. You're only going to pay like 110 a piece. Yeah, exactly. And people don't bother to research that. They're just like, oh, they're on TV. I got to go see them. I got to investigate with them. Why? Yeah. Why? I don't, again, the TV, I don't know why. Yeah, people get really starstruck, and it's a, it's a big motivator for a lot of people to be, to have that interaction with someone who's considered famous. Yeah, I just don't get it. Never have, never will. I, like I said, most of I don't do most of my stuff's private homes. What I do the majority of, we do a lot of private homes. I don't post about them. I don't post. Oh, we got an investigation coming up. I just find it tacky. I see a lot of groups do that. These newer groups. Yeah. I just find it tacky because, and I tell the homeowner, I says I'm not gonna post that we're coming to your house i'm not even gonna post we nothing because why what what am i trying to prove oh look we have another investigation coming up but yeah most of these newer groups they pay for them yeah exactly and people don't want inexperienced or people that are gonna fake stuff in their house exactly yeah hear that a lot oh we follow you on facebook and they'll message me, you know, we like, you know, that you're a skeptic. Would you be willing to come out? And they'll tell me what's happening. We'll always go out. And I always tell them, if we don't get something, 
I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying it wasn't active when we were there. Right. And the my last guest said the same thing. Like, it's fine to go to an investigation and not get anything. It's it's absolutely fine. You're not a failed investigator. You're not it's not a failed venture. It's just what happened. Yep. And that that yeah. needs to be understood more, I think, especially by the younger generation and the newer investigators out there. They really believe that if you don't catch something and don't get it out there in the world, you're not you're a failed investigator. You didn't complete your mission. And the mission is not to catch things. The mission is to prove things yes or no. And if it's no, admit it. Yeah, it's, and that's what we do. Like I said, you know, people are like, oh, when do you go out? And like this year, you know, we went to West Virginia State Penitentiary two years ago. Um, we really didn't get much. It was a good experience, but we didn't get much as far as evidence. You know, we heard footsteps, but that was it. You know, nothing audio, nothing video, nothing in photos. But I'm not, and they asked what happened. I told them. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know why people feel they got to fake stuff. And then they, you know, they'll go to a friend's house. Oh, he does investigations. Let my buddy come here. And then they'll send out somebody and, you know, I hate these groups like Nespier. <laughs> oh, it's something evil. Yeah, it's a demon. We're gonna to, <laughs> and we're going to have to do an exorcism. Yep. Um, okay, again, you know, I'm Roman Catholic, so I'm strong in my beliefs, but you can't perform an exorcism on an object, only a person. See, I heard that, and I haven't done the research yet on all that goes into an exorcism and what is true and what isn't, but I intend to. So it's nice for you to say that, to confirm that, because I always thought that too. I thought exorcism, exorcisms were not meant for objects. They were meant for people. Exactly, and that's why, you know, if you look it up online, you'll find tons of articles, what it takes. And it's, like I said, it's a few months to get approval from the Vatican. Yeah. And a lot of they turn it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear about the You're major right. cases like Annalise Michelle, and it took ages to get approval for that. And, and it didn't even, like, they even determined that was not possession. That was, she died from malnutrition. Yeah. Yeah, people, I don't know why they're all on this bandwagon of everything's a demon now. Yeah, I don't either. That's why uh, my podcast is named Truth or Demons because it's one or the other and I really don't believe it's demons. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I believe in demons, but I believe they're very few and very far between. I can see that. I definitely don't think that there's a demon in everybody for everything and I definitely don't believe that if you're a paranormal investigator like Zach Beggins, that you get possessed every single time. No, it's, oh, that, I don't even watch Ghost Adventures. Me don't either, worry. because of that. When he started doing that, I lost full interest. I could not even take him seriously. I never could take him seriously, but that really pushed me over the edge for that. No, it's, like I said, that, and I don't watch Ghost Hunters either for the same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why do they got to drop the F-bomb and swear <laughs> so much 
I'm sorry, you're investigating. So you're going to look for something. You found what you're looking for. And you act like you're in third grade again when you find it. Mm -hmm. You start acting like a little kid. Oh, 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 screaming and yelling. Really? Yeah. That, that stuff drives me crazy. It makes it very hard to watch. So I'm with you. I don't watch them anymore. No, you can't. Cause it's like you're an actor. You're bad at it, but you're an actor. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell when they're acting. It's not a genuine reaction or situation. You know, Jason posted a video yesterday or the day before because people are coming down on his daughter and her boyfriend, Cody, because they're doing the knocks like the Fox sisters used to do. Okay, yeah. So he's out there defending because people are calling them out on it. Hey, how do we know you're not doing what they did and having a coin in the bottom of your shoe. Exactly. How do we know that's not happening? And he got, he was all flustered and, you know, he called the keyboard warriors and keep, he was telling yeah. people, keep opinions to yourself. And Oh, that's my, funny. <laughs> the you know internet my, is made my, for that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Who the hell do you think you are? You're better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Your daughter would be even your name noticed if it wasn't for you bringing her into it because you're letting her ride your coattails because you wanted her to hopefully get her own show. Well, now that she got what she wants, she can't take the negativity. Yeah, and the the negativity comes with it. That's not something you can avoid. I get tons of it. (laughs) He can't take it either. Mm -hmm. He gets all defensive about everything. He won't have an open discussion why do you get like I asked him on Twitter once and he blocked me. I said, How is it possible for you to get evidence on every investigation you go on? And he just blocked me, never answered me, never nothing. Wow. That's pretty but immature. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's the whole thing with these newer groups. They all want to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Other groups just want to make money. Yep. Yeah, and so the YouTube all- stars are after the followers and the views because they get once they get monetized, they get money. Yep. That mon- yep. that monetization is nice, but like like you got to do the fake stuff. You got to get those views and you got to become popular and these these content creators, that's how they're doing it. They're faking it and faking it makes you rise faster, unfortunately. Yep. Exactly. Lie it, fake it till you make it. Exactly. And unfortunately, in this scenario, it's not a good thing. (laughs) Nope. Not at all. And I just wish people would wake up and realize these shows are all staged. I agree. That's part of my mission here is to bring light to that and help people that didn't even think about it being fake to maybe open their eyes a little bit more to it. Yeah, that that'd be nice if that ever happens, but Uh, yeah. As long as you got these newer groups popping up, they're going to want to do anything to get their name out there. Look, we found a demon. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Ha ha. Yep, exactly. So um, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share? Any experiences or anything in particular that you would like the listeners to know? If you're in it to truly help and educate people, that's great. If you're looking for fame and fortune and getting your own show, 
you probably better just take a back seat because more than likely it's not going to happen. That's good advice. Now, is there any um, social media you want to share with me uh, so I can, is there like any pages you have that people can follow you and find you at? Yeah, Ghost Hunters of Connecticut. Awesome. On Facebook. Okay, great. I'll make sure I link that too in the show notes. Yeah, and then you could share it, you know, whenever you get it all up and running on both my personal and my group page. Absolutely. I definitely will. All right. <laughs> and yeah, if, you, if I find out or you find out anything else, send me a message and I'll do the same. Definitely. And uh, as we go, as I get some more information uh, collected and put out there, if you want to come back on the show and share anything else or if anything else pops into your head, we can definitely do that. All right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate you and all you shared. You're welcome. Glad to have be here. Yay. All right. I will let you go now, and I'm going to get this edited pretty quickly, and I will let you know when it's ready to go up. All right. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so, so much to Chris for coming on the show and sharing with me. This conversation was so enlightening for me, and I hope for you listeners as well. My mission on the podcast is to highlight the truth and debunk the demons, whoever or whatever those demons may be. I will not stand for this perpetuation of falsehoods, fakes, and misinformation. And with the help of my guests and all the research, we're shedding more and more light on all of these things. And I love it. Thank you again, Chris. Looking forward to chatting again soon. I have more guests coming soon as well. Again, I cannot thank you all enough for joining me and helping me on this mission. Oh, and speaking of guests, I was a guest on another amazing podcast. Go check out Dairyland Frights. The host, John, invited me on recently for a little spooky fun and some great haunted history. I had so much fun and I'm so excited I was invited to be on. Thank you again, John. Be sure and go check out that episode over at Dairyland Frights, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out Truth or Demon social medias. I share photos and videos pertaining to the show and guests there, so you don't want to miss those. I'll put up all the links in the show notes. I will make sure I put Chris's information there as well. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Until next time. everyone. Are you ready to embark on a magical journey into the world of nature's treasures? Look no further than Into the Woods Stones and Crystals. Discover the enchanting collection of stones and crystals that will ignite your spirit and elevate your well-being. At Into the Woods Stones and Crystals, they offer a treasure trove of Mother Earth's finest gems, all carefully handpicked to bring you positive energy and healing vibrations. Whether you're a seasoned crystal enthusiast or just beginning your crystal journey, they've got something for everyone. From amethyst to quartz, citrine to obsidian, each crystal is a unique masterpiece waiting to enhance your life. And if you listen to my interview on Creepy Chisma, you know how much I love obsidian. But that's not all. When you shop with them, you're not just buying crystals, you're investing in a deeper connection with nature. Their crystals are ethically sourced and sustainably harvested, ensuring they protect the earth as they share its precious gifts. And here's a special treat for you listeners. Use code TRUTHORDEMONS, all one word, at checkout to enjoy an exclusive discount on your purchase. Ready to bring a touch of magic into your life? Visit their website, 
into-the-woods-stones.myshopify.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Explore their exquisite collection and don't forget to follow them on social media for updates, special offers, and crystal wisdom. I will put all links in the show notes. Into the Woods, Stones, and Crystals, where the magic of nature meets the power of your spirit. Shop now, enter Truth or Demons at checkout, and let the journey begin.